Well, tonight I'd like to share with you a little bit, um, pity back what I shared on a couple weeks ago, um, sort of a, the battle for our minds, the conflict in our minds, um, and I want to take it to a, sort of a two-part sermon somewhat in my heart, and I want to sort of finish that tonight. So I hope this can be an encouragement to you and a blessing to you. You know, the, the, the goal is to encourage us, to provoke us, you know, um, if I can do that to the church as a whole, to provoke the church to remember we are Christ's. We, we belong to Jesus. We are the body of Christ on this earth. So how our body represents, how do you think Christ's body represented himself? Very distinguished, right? As a separate, not part of the world, in the world, but not part of the world. So I hope my encouragement tonight can be thinking of that, that we are Christ's body as a church that we represent as a body, Christ, on this earth. So that's a big responsibility that we have. But it's something that we don't do alone. We do it with Christ. We do it with the Holy Spirit. We do it with God on our side, showing us and provoking us and teaching us, be be more like me, be more like me, be more like me. I want to talk about that tonight. Be Be more like him. And the way we think and the way we respond. Amen, saints? I want to go right, right off the bat here in Second Corinthians chapter 3. And I have a set of scriptures here that I want to share with you. You know, I took a walk with my son last night. And we're walking. And of course, he went for a mile or so walk. And he always wants to race me. And you realize that, you know, mid-40s can't beat teenager anymore. You know what I mean? Like, I get close, but he's just, he's getting to that age. And you start thinking, like, boy, I can't compete anymore. You just can't compete anymore. But you know what? In God's body, we all can compete. There's no age where you can say, I'm just too old. I gave him my time. I put my all in. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I, I did the best that I could. I put the time in, I worked hard where I worked hard, and I'm all set. You know, I think in God's body, that doesn't happen. We're all competitive. You could be in the prime of your life, and you think of that, whatever the prime of your life is, you could be on fire for the Lord. The top of your game, the most fit you ever were, at 80, at 70, at 60, at 50, at 40, 30, 20, teenager, you should be all fit, all that you can be for Jesus. Isn't that amazing? There's no age discrimination in the body of Christ. Amen? You should be as fit as you ever will in Jesus Christ. And I want to encourage us to stay fit, to stay fit, to stay on top of our game in Jesus. So in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, well, actually, we can jump right to uh, 14 and read a couple scriptures here. It says, but you must continue in the things which you have learned and have been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith which is in Jesus Christ. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God 
or the servant of God may be complete or may be perfect, thoroughly equipped for every good work. What a, what a nice group of scriptures here, amen, saints? And I, as I mentioned to you, I spoke last time on the battle of our minds. And they're all responses that we choose. We choose them. We choose how fit we are in Christ, amen? We, we make that determination. The Lord helps us, gives us strength, gives us abilities, places us in a body to encourage each other, to look out for each other. If we see a brother or sister slipping, isn't it our responsibility in a way to reach out to them and to call them out if they're in sin, in love, and in concern for their soul? This is things we decide to do. We do it. So this is what Paul, Paul is telling Timothy, don't forget the things you have learned, the things you were taught to do. And remember who you taught them. The Word of God teaches us. Amen, saints? The Word of God teaches us these things. So I want to talk to you about the idea that all Scripture, the Word of God, Paul says is, is inspired by God. That means it's breathed by God. All Scripture was spoken, breathed out by Jehovah. Hallelujah. Literally, breathed out by Jehovah. What a blessing that is. You know what, saints? We need our lives to be dictated by the breath of God. Isn't that wonderful that even in 2022, thousands of years after Jesus, that we can still live a life that's breathed out by God. Instructions that are breathed out by a living creator. The God that's above all gods. Amen? Breathed out by God. It helps us to overcome our mental weakness, if you will. Our mental, it strengthens our mental fortitude in this world. And we can do this by hearing the scriptures. Paul reminded Timothy, Timothy, it's the scriptures. All scriptures are breathed by God. They inspire to become perfect. You may feel in any particular decision or struggle that you have to decide what's best for you to make that decision based on your own inspiration, maybe based on your own experiences, maybe based on how God has worked with you in the past. And I want to encourage us, church, tonight, as a church, to stay in one accord, to stay in one accord with each other as we make decisions going forward. As you make decisions based in Jesus Christ going forward, this is the body of Christ. Remember, in Acts, they waited, and what did the Bible say? They were in one accord. Decisions made were made together, made in one accord, based on, if you will, Scripture. Jesus told them to go there. The Word of God. Jesus is the Word, amen? Jesus said, go and wait in Jerusalem, and I will be there. They listened to Scripture. They obeyed Scripture, if you will, if I can say that. And they stayed in one accord. We need to react as Christ wants us to react in every situation, in every decision, in every circumstance of your life, every temptation that arises. Here's the challenge for the body of Christ, to react as Jesus would react. To react as God is inspiring you to react. What a challenge we have, amen, saints? I want to say here in these scriptures, notice Paul does not even attempt to make a defense or an argument about human authors writing the scriptures. It's not, he doesn't even go there. There's not even a, a word about 
these men were inspired by God. It just says all scripture. He didn't, he didn't say Moses. He didn't say David. The prophets, they were such devoted followers of God and filled with God. Read and listen to the words they wrote. No, he didn't do that, did he, saints? Instead, Paul says the holy scriptures themselves. Some, some of your translations might say the writings, the holy writings are the words spoken by God. Paul puts the stress of the authority of all scriptures on the divine origin of Jesus Christ and God, the Heavenly Father. What power there is in the scriptures, saints. We can know this, that the divine origin is the reason why the word of God has power. You wonder why you have struggled with sin, maybe. Struggle to overcome in certain situations. Don't forget, the word of God holds power. Power to overcome. Power to divide even the joints and the marrow. To separate flesh, the different parts of flesh apart from each other. That's a sharp sword. That's a sharp scalpel that can do that. The word of God can decipher between soul, between spirit, between your flesh. Saints, the word of God is where we need to go as the end times approach. As the world gets more wicked, our faces should go more deeper into the word. What does the Lord want of our church? What is the Lord God telling us for our church, inspired by the Holy Scriptures? Paul says in verse 15, it has the power to convert. Amen, saints? Through salvation, he says, will make you wise for salvation. The word of God can make someone get saved. It can convert your soul if you're questioning who God is. By the way, welcome if you're on Living Word Live. I apologize for not doing it earlier. Great to have you here. But if you're here tonight or watching and you're wondering about God, about your path with Jesus, about who he is, the scriptures say in verse 15, are able to make you wise unto salvation. In verse 16, they profit to train. They're profitable for doctrine, to teach and train, for reproof, to instruct, for to correct, to discipline. The word of God does all this in our lives. If you feel you're undisciplined in your life, what area are you undisciplined in? Is it you're watching the wrong thing? Is you're listening to the wrong words? Is your heart wandering? Although Paul is teaching Timothy, the word of God will instruct you into righteousness. It will discipline your mind. It will refocus your heart. What blessing there is in the word of God. And finally, in verse 17, it has the ability, the ability to change to complete you, to make you fitted for God's work. Brother, Brother Ben, I don't know where the Lord wants me. I don't know what the Lord wants me to do. Go to the word of God. Go to Jesus. Find out. Start doing the things he desires of every Christian. A holy, devoted walk to him. Start there. Start there and see what happens. Start there and see what happens when I say I'm going to not be distracted by the thoughts of my mind by discouragements that might rise up, by temptations that might come into my heart. I'm going to stay focused on the Lord because I want to know what the Lord has for me. He will answer you, I promise. Can I stress tonight that the authority on which we live our lives and how we fight and overcome our mental battles should not be on us, saints. It should not be touched by us or influenced by us. What I mean by that like an artist, right? 
If you looked at some artist's work, they might say, hey, I can look at that artist and see Van Gogh in there. He must have been trained by this artist or that artist. You know, whatever, maybe a musician might say, there's a famous musician and, and I'm into that musician. My work might show some of that musician's work. You know, in a way that's wonderful, that pays a lot of credit to that musician that came along. But you know what God wants? Us out of the way. We don't want to make decisions with, I want a little bit of me and a little bit of God in my decision. Can't you see? There is a little bit of God in there. He influenced me here or there, but I also have to do my own thing. Jesus wants all of our hearts. Every decision we make, every decision we make has to be based on what is best for me and the Lord. What is best for me in the Lord? And as a body of Christ, our decisions going forward need to be made. What is best for us in Jesus Christ? What is best for us in this world? When we make the decisions, when we react, when we have emotion, Jesus had emotion. It's okay to have emotion. I always felt that people who say they don't have emotion are usually the most emotional. That's, that's my experience with people who say, I'm not an emotional person. You just mark yourself as very emotional. That's my experience. We have emotional bursts at times. That's okay. It happens. Life is overwhelming at times. But in our reactions, in our decisions, in our emotional bursts, we can't let that take away God. God has to be seen in our decisions. We sh- others should see God in our decisions. Others should see God in our reactions. In other words, are our decisions, are the thoughts in our mind based on Jesus Christ, based on the Word of God, or they're based on what we want best? The Scriptures are wonderfully written, amen, saints? They were written by men. I don't think Paul's statement takes anything away from David. Takes nothing away from Moses writing the Torah. Right? Nothing away from the prophets. Rather, it shows that God can work mightily through men who are willing to obey him. God can work mightily through men who are willing to submit their will to him. Look at These men wrote scriptures that are encouraging us today. These men humbled their will before the Lord, humbled themselves before God, decided, I'm going to take on the servant of Christ. And Christ used them, breathed words to them, and they wrote them down. And these words today are giving us encouragement. They're giving us endurance in our Christian walks. They're giving us hope. They're filling our hearts with faith. Saints, think what you could do for the next generation if you said, I'm going to devote my life fully to Jesus Christ and all my decisions. What can he work through you? What can he work through this church for the years to come, for the time to come? These men were used for thousands of years. We see their handiwork because of Jesus Christ working in them. What a testament it is when we as a church can give our life to Jesus Christ, make every decision based on him, trust in him for where he will take us, and rely on his word to encourage us and to keep us faith. What can happen? Isn't it amazing, saints? I want to remind you, saints, that in a way we are his prized possession. 
the Bible talks about. You are a prized possession. You're called out. We're wonderful to God. The human, the human is a wonderful creation to God. Isn't it wonderful? He's a prized creation. And in a way, you, maybe individually, are writing your own book before the Lord in life. You're writing your own book. What does the book of your life say before Christ? It's an interesting thought, isn't it? If, you're, if, you're, if you were a book, the book of Ben Connor, what would that book say? How would that book look? Would it inspire others? Would it give faith to others? Most of all, would God get all the glory? Would everything be referenced? God said, God spoke, God used other men to encourage, God used, God did this. What a life we can lead in God. We are writing the book of our lives today. We are also writing the book of our church. You know, it says in the Revelations that he has the stars represent church. Churches. What is our church? What's the book of our church? Look before Jesus Christ. Look before God the Father. I don't think that's a wrong thing to think about. In a way, I think it's good to have some pride that the Lord works in your church. Not an evil pride, but a pride of that the Lord's on our side, that he's with us, that he's fighting our battles, that we want him to be alive in us, that we want him to be working in our church, that we want the Holy Spirit to be flowing out of our church. Doesn't that give you joy? Doesn't that give you peace? The love of Christ just, inf- just grows in your heart when you think of that, that a church, a body like ours, could be used to influence the world around us by Jesus Christ. Oh Lord, use us, amen? Send your Holy Spirit on us. Let your, let your word work through us that others can come to Jesus Christ and be saved. Amen, saints? The authority on which we live and fight is wonderful because it's God. The authority on which we make our decisions can be relied on, cast to Jesus Christ. You know, we can justify a lot in our lives, amen, saints? But we need to justify God as our Savior. You know, we can justify who we forgive. We can justify where our love goes. We can justify why we go to church, or maybe why we don't go to church. We can justify that in our hearts. We can justify who we fellowship with and hang out with, or who we maybe give a cold shoulder to. We might be able to justify that in your heart. Who we work hard for, and who we'll go the extra mile for. We can justify tithing. We can justify not tithing. We can justify listening to Brother Ben tonight, or the pastors or the elders that share the word, or we can justify not listening to them. You can do whatever you want in some ways. You can justify putting yourself and your own ways above others, or you can put others above yourself. We can really justify almost anything, amen, saints? But I want to ask you a question. Thinking about you writing a book of your life, What if God asked you, why are you justifying such things? On whose authority are you justifying forgiving, loving, church attendance, fellowship, who you hang out with, how you're tithing, how you're listening to those who have uh, authority in the church, 
how you're putting yourself above others or putting others above yourself. What if God asked us, how are you making that justification? What if he was like, I'm just curious, my son or my daughter. And what authority do you use to make that justification? How would we respond? Whether love or hate saints, whether giving or taking, being proud or humble, a lot, of our, a lot of decisions of life are based on us. You have the, it's amazing that God would do this, that he would let men have a free will to make such decisions. It's almost like unbelievable on a certain level. But it also shows how much God loves us, that he wants to know that you love him. Church, what about us as a church? How are we doing as a church before God? Where's our inspiration come from? Is it God saying, do this or don't do that? Or is it a mixture of past experiences, personality, and a little bit of scripture that helps us make decisions? Or is it all Jesus Christ? As we move forward in Christ in a very tumultuous world, saints, by the way, Jesus is coming back, amen? He's coming back. He's coming soon. You know, I was just thinking today, you know, uh, it's wonderful. I was reading about the Roe versus Wade decision. It's wonderful on a certain level, but I don't know. Doesn't it almost seem like things are going a little bit too weird? Like the world was going in this direction, then we had this direction about stopping abortion. It just seems a little awkward on a surface level. You can call it whatever you may. I'm not disagreeing with it or agreeing with on any decision. My point is this, that this world is all over the place. This world doesn't know where it's headed. It goes down this avenue, then it goes down this avenue. It doesn't know where it's going. But we know where we're going. Amen? We have a goal. The world doesn't know where it's going. It's all over the map. Sometimes doing good, a lot of times doing bad. It's just all over the place. You remember what 2 Timothy verse 3, you don't have to go there, I wrote these down. These will be behaviors in the end times. There will be terrible times in the last days. Paul wrote to Timothy, people will love themselves. They'll love money. They'll be boastful. They'll be proud, abusive, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, Conceited, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power. Paul wrote to Timothy, have nothing to do with these. We cannot let the worldly, fleshly behavior seep into our own lives. Amen, saints? Seep into our hearts. We may justify, hey, I have to work for money. Do not let the love of money overtake you. In this world where money is so put on such a high altar, it's glorified so high. Money is glorified so high. Money can do anything for you. Money gets you anything. Saints, don't let the world, Paul's wrote to Timothy, have nothing to do with this. This is a fleshly mind battle. It's a battle of the mind. Putting money over time with the brethren. Putting money over fellowship. Any of these things that Paul mentioned can seep into your heart, can seep into the church's heart, if you will. God wants us to collectively grow closer to him. 
as a body. As a body, we need to grow closer to him. We need to rely on him. You know, we have prayer meetings on Sunday nights. I hope you've, you've been taking advantage of those. If you haven't been, I pray you will. It's a wonderful thing to come as a body. As a body. Think of it like this. How, how wonderful it would be if you and your kids got together and prayed. Your family just got together. Or maybe you and your spouse just sat down and said, rather than praying alone, you said, hey, hey honey, come and pray with me. I want to pray with you. And you and your spouse just prayed together for something together in tandem. Just think about that, how wonderful that is. Now add your children to the mix. Your children come together. Hey, family, what can we pray for? How wonderful is that? How, how desired, if you don't have that, how, how much of a desire that would be in your heart to yearn for that? And there's nothing wrong to yearn for that. That's, that's godly to yearn for that. Well, imagine God looking at his church, and instead of hearing hundreds of different voices, he hears one collective voice, all praying in unison for something. What power there is in that. How wonderful it looks before God. You know, in the na- a lot of things in the natural in this life are based on God's spiritual behavior. God loves it when his people get together and pray. I want to share with the church tonight, let's not let our mind battles affect our prayer life to Jesus Christ. Let's not let secret sin, a hard heart, stubbornness, affect our church's prayer life to Jesus Christ. You know, this can inhibit, sin inhibits God's movement. We don't want sin to inhibit God's movement in our church. Amen, saints? Sometimes battles of our mind can inhibit God's movement in our lives. The world is full of self. Here's a, I, I, maybe I made a little phrase here. So self-social indulgence. They're filled with self-social indulgence. Paul says this, I have been crucified with Christ. Myself has been crucified with Christ. I no longer live. That's a challenging statement, saints. That's hard to think about on some levels. Paul said, I no longer live. It's Jesus that lives in me. You see, the answer in overcoming the battle of our minds is Jesus living in you. But what about me? What about me? I'll remind you, God created you. He knows all about you. The Bible says he knows all the hairs on your head. Don't worry. Jesus, God will take care of you. Our job is to let Jesus rise up in our hearts so that every thought that we have, every battle that we face, we can show others Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ pours out of us. The word of God comes out of our mouth. Salvation is proclaimed by our lips. Faith is shown by our endurance through struggles. Hard times, frustrations, we can have joy, peace, and the love of Christ still in our hearts. What an amazing thing we can do through Jesus Christ. Amen? How we live our lives and overcome the mental battles must be divinely inspired, saints. They must be breathed by God, if you will. We cannot afford to limit God by making decisions based on our own selves. God has called us, church, God has called us to be overcomers. Not even winners. I want to be a winner. He didn't call us to be a winner. He called us to be an overcomer. Overcomer. He didn't cause us to be losers. 
He didn't call us to be alone. Hey, I'm, a, I'm just an alone guy. I don't want to talk to people. People don't want to talk to me. I'm fine with that. Well, that's not why God called us to be alone. God called us and put us in a family, the scripture says. God wants us together. God wants us overcoming together, united in one accord, together, pushing his work in our community, together, being filled with the Holy Ghost, together, having the gifts of the Holy Spirit moving through the church, together, in one accord, flowing from this body outward. You see how the Lord works in a church, in a body. He loves the church. Christ is the head of the church. He's the head of the church, which means that he's the head of us, which means everything that comes out of the head should be Jesus Christ. Everything from the body should be Jesus Christ. Amen, saints? How are you doing in Jesus Christ? How are your thoughts? How are your meditations? How are you overcoming? There's a question to ponder. The reason we have power is to live godly, to overcome self-doubt. We have power from the scriptures to overcome fear. We have power from the scriptures to overcome depression, anxiety, irritations, people that bother us. We have power from the scriptures to overcome these things. Words that convict us, whatever it may be. God does not want us to struggle with these things. Cast your cares upon me, right? Cast them upon me. He will return to you. He'll give you gifts of the Spirit. Peace. When you cast your care upon Jesus, when you cast the frustration upon Jesus, what does he give you in return? A more of a more of a frustration? More heaviness? We heard tonight, his burden is light. His yoke is easy. Cast your burdens on Jesus Christ if that's what you're struggling with. If you're struggling with overcoming thoughts in your mind of frustration, maybe it's hate, maybe it's fear, maybe it's pride. Cast it before the Lord. Humble yourself before Jesus Christ and watch that thing disappear. It will disappear from your life. Going back to 2 Timothy there in verse 17, notice the phrase in 2 Timothy there. It says that the man man of God, you know, as I mentioned, this speaks of the servants of God. But that word, that, means in order that. That the man of God, so you could say, in order that the man of God. First, you have to be a man of God. Are you a man or a woman of God? Are you a servant of God? If so, God has put his word in your heart. And he is in you. And this is why. In order that you become complete. What's the purpose of God putting his word in you? What's the purpose of God putting his word into the, into the church? There's a, there's a reason for it. There's a reason for it. It's not just because that's what God does. Well, that is what God does. But everything God does has a reason, has a goal, has a purpose. And this purpose is, benefits us that we can become complete and thoroughly equipped. If you're a man or woman of God, and God asks you, do you want to be complete and thoroughly equipped for me? Who would say no? I don't think anyone would say no. God's saying, 
Do you want to be thoroughly equipped? You want to be complete in me? The Word of God. All Scripture. All Scripture. Every part of the Scripture. Try to apply it to your life. That seems daunting at times. Oh Lord, we need your help. We need your Holy Spirit in our life. We need each, each other to encourage us and keep us humble. Because every part of Scripture, wow, that's intimidating. But we can do it through Jesus Christ. We can do it through Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. Amen, saints? The word complete speaks of being perfectly fitted in Jesus. Being ready to be used by him. Being perfectly fitted. It's a special ability. Christ gives us a special ability when we're complete. It's to be ready to be used by him. What a blessing it is. And thoroughly f- f- uh, equipped, you're thoroughly furnished, ready to accomplish something and finish it out. This is the point. Our church as a body, you as an individual, Christ wants you so fitted and completely furnished in him that he can give you something to do and you will finish the work. That's what it means. He wants to complete his work in you. He wants to complete his work in us. The order, the reason he gives us the word of God, the reason he placed us in a body is not just to live out our lives until we get to heaven, cross our fingers, hope we stay saved. Oh boy, that's weak. The reason he put us in a body together, the reason he gave us the word of God, the reason that word of God is breath inspired, the reason it has power is so we can do something in him and finish it all the way through to completion. What a blessing there is in Jesus Christ. Amen, saints? How does one prove he or she has become complete in an endeavor and able to finish something they started? They reproduce what they were taught. They reproduce what they were learned. We should do the same. I'm trying to lay this foundation of God's word in our lives is not to be mixed with our own minds. God's ways and teachings should be the foundation of our thinking. Amen, saints? With that, let's go back to 2 Corinthians 10, verses 4 and 6. Just to remind you of the scriptures we're thinking about. It says in verse 4, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but are mighty through God in the pulling down of strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ, and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. When we are fulfilled in Jesus, when we are complete in him, Look at the things we can accomplish through the word of God, through the power of God in our lives, casting down any argument that may arise in your mind, bringing down strongholds that you may think are impossible to remove. This is what God can do through you. I spoke of our minds as being a real battlefield last time I shared. shared. You know, Paul lived around soldiers. He saw how soldiers worked and trained so it was natural for him to make this correlation. Don't you think? And I don't think it's a bad interpretation. Our minds are constantly being bombarded, constantly being attacked 
with thoughts, with things that may encourage us, but things that also provoke us, things that also bother us. Our mind is also an emotional battlefield where, where we can become very indulged in self-pity and, to, and feeling bad for ourselves or feeling frustration or dislike towards others. Did you know, I was looking this up, did you know, I pulled out one of my old school textbooks, reminded myself, did you know that the, on average, the brain makes about 35,000 decisions every day? I know for some of you females here, it might be unbelievable to think that the males make 35,000 decisions every single day. But it's roughly, we are making 35,000 decisions every day. Some of them are really important, like stop at the red light. Some of them are not so important, like do I want my bagel toasted or not toasted this morning? Right? But there's decisions being made. In those 35,000 decisions, there's some spiritual decisions that come up. Every single day. Decisions that make based on how as God, how are you going to relate to Jesus Christ in that decision? Are you going to show glory to God in that decision? Or are you going to show failure in that decision towards Jesus Christ? Are the decisions made in accordance with God's spirit? In accordance with God's word? Or in accordance with our light and our flesh and our own desires? Are they inspired by God? Or are they inspired by you? We can't forget that the sins of the flesh are often thought of as sexual, sensual immorality. But as I reminded you last time, and I want to remind you again tonight, most of the time our temptations are come in the, natu- in the natural things of anxiety, frustrations, depression, things of idolatry, putting things above what God wants putting things above God. For example, meeting together, getting into the Word. If you devote a time, if you tell God, I promise you, God, I'm going to devote every morning to you. That's a promise you made to God. Do you follow through on that promise? That's a big deal. If you put something above that, God won't be happy. You know, you know saints? Whatever you promise to God, do with all your heart. There's enmity, strife, Jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy. These are all things that the flesh and our mind want to attack our spirit with. These are battles we face in the mental realm every single day. Some days more than others. Sometimes situations arise in our life that provoke these emotions and these thoughts more than other days. But saints... God wants us to be the same no matter what day we're facing. No matter what day, how good our day is or how bad our day is. And church, God wants us to be facing the same thing no matter what happens. No matter if there's a new change, an old way that continues, how will we face the next steps in our church? Is it based inspired by God or inspired by what we want or what we like? And there will be a different outcome for each decision. I want to tell you that Jesus prayed that these decisions happen in our lives. He did not want to take these things away from us. Let's go to John chapter 17. A couple more scriptures here. 
In John chapter 17, Jesus is speaking. He's actually praying. This is a prayer. If you ever want to see, hey, I wonder how Jesus prayed. Well, you can read John chapter 17. This is Jesus actually praying. But in verse 20, it says, I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe me through their word. The second those is us. That's us. The ones who have been witnessed to, who have believed in Jesus Christ through the words of someone else sharing the gospel. So he says, I do not pray for these alone, meaning my own disciples who I called, but I'm also praying for those who will believe me through their words in the future. Verse 11, I am no longer in the world. Jesus is saying, I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, meaning us. 15, I do not pray. This is Jesus praying to his father. I do not pray or ask that you take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Let's look at another scripture quick. I'll tie these two together. Turn to your Bibles to Luke chapter 22. I hope you don't mind the going back and forth here a little bit. Am I making sense tonight, saints? I hope so. In Luke chapter 22, verse 31, this is Jesus speaking. Again, he says, And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. But he said to him, Lord, I am ready to go with you, both to prison and to death. And then he said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster shall not crow this day before you will deny me three times that you know me. Oh, doesn't your heart just ache for Peter a little bit there? Doesn't you, can't, you see a little, can't you see a little bit of us? Lord, I can do anything for you. I'll do it for you. Can't you almost see Peter and yourself in that picture a little bit? Lord, I'll go to battle for you. I'll do it. And then the Lord calls out something in your life. And you're like, oh, I forgot about that. Oh, I got to improve on that first. This is what the Lord was doing with Peter. You know, in both accounts here, I want to share with you that Jesus did not want to take his people out of the world. We have a purpose in this world, saints. You may think, I just want to get to heaven. I'm just going to go to be as faithful to the Lord, do as little as I can not to get myself in trouble, and just get into heaven. I want to challenge that a little bit and say, Jesus wants you to do more than just sit in this world and wait for heaven. He has a job for you to do. He has a work for you to be perfectly fitted in, to be complete in, and thoroughly equipped to do. He will give you everything you need to accomplish this work, whatever it may be. We know one is witnessing. We know one, that's an easy one, right? We know another one is praying. Are you praying enough? We know another one is going to the word of God. Another one, another spiritual uh, weapon is your faith. Is your faith growing in Jesus Christ every day? Do you feel closer to the Lord today than the day you got saved? The day the Lord called you to be his servant? That day when you were so excited and so felt redeemed and fresh. Do you feel that today? 
There's a question to ask yourself. God wants us in this world. Church, God wants us in this world. He prayed to his heavenly Father, don't take them out. Don't take them out. There'll be a time when we'll leave. But right now, don't take them out. Just keep them from the wicked one. Lord, keep us from the wicked one. Amen. And to Peter, he said, Peter, Satan wants to sift you as wheat. You know, some, some uh, study Bibles reference this word to Peter when he says you. It's in the plural form. So Peter, when he turned, he said to all his disciples, Satan wants to sift you as wheat. You notice the prayer of Jesus Christ was not to stop Satan from sifting Peter. The prayer was, Satan asked for you. Just like Job. The prayer was, Satan asked for you. Jesus, God, did not stop Satan from sifting his people. He did not stop Satan from going after Job. And here, Jesus did not pray, Oh, I pray that Satan would not sift you, Peter. No. He said, when your faith, I pray that your faith fails not. How is your faith in Jesus Christ? How is your faith in Jesus Christ? That's the important issue. Well, I'm going through all these trials. Why is God letting this happen to me? I'm going through all this hardship. Saints, that will happen. But how is your faith? Where is your faith? Is your faith built upon the rock? Is your faith steadfast in Jesus Christ? Peter wanted to react. I'm good, Lord. I'm good. Jesus said, not quite yet, Peter. But when you are, I love this part. What did he say? Strengthen your brethren. What a job we have. Well, it's my faith. Your faith is to look around and strengthen those who need more help in faith. What a Christ we serve. He did so much in that statement, it's unbelievable. Peter, when you're strengthened, I pray your faith failed not. And when you're strengthened, when you return to me, strengthen my brethren. Oh, the mercy of Jesus to return to him when we made a hard decision. When we failed in our decisions, Jesus said, when you return to me, you have one job to do. Tell those others around you about my mercy. Don't make the same mistake I did. Don't do the same thing I have done. Amen, saints. And I want to encourage the church tonight that as we face our spiritual battles individually, maybe you'll be frustrated in the future. Whatever it may be, this world is evil and it bothers you. I don't know. It's your life. But whatever, whatever it may be, don't let your faith fail. Don't let your faith be hindered. You're going to be tempted. Frustrations will arise. Don't let your faith be hindered. Stay the course. Keep your heart focused on Jesus Christ. Trials are coming. Trials will come. We're going to be sifted. This body may be sifted. As a congregation, we may be sifted. Don't let your faith be, sit, be changed. Stay on fire for Jesus Christ and strengthen each other. Strengthen each other. In the battle of your minds, think, I have to overcome for Jesus, and I want to strengthen my brethren. And that's the word for tonight. Heavenly Father, we love you so much. We want to do better for you, Lord. We want to be better for you, Jesus. Oh, thank you for your word tonight, Lord. As you prayed, to Peter that day, you prayed that his faith fell not, Lord. Father, we pray that our faith fails not, that our faith stays high and founded on the rock of your scripture, because all scripture was breathed by you and is inspired to, to keep us fitted 
and to finish a work that you want to start in us, O God, Jesus. Keep us in your word. Keep us full of faith. Let your Holy Spirit work in us and let us maintain a heart of prayer towards you as not only individually, Lord, but also as a congregation so that your work can be done. And when we meet you someday, as individuals and as a church, you can say, well done, my good and faithful servants. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, saints.